Clubhouse. Welcome to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home with your hosts, Beth Kushnick and Caroline Daly. Hey, Beth. Hey, Caroline. We are finally getting to the point in this world where we get to get back to these live events in our life. No more Zoom weddings, no more virtual fashion shows, no more any of that kind of stuff. We get to finally start being in person again. And to be honest with you, Beth, I don't know how to do it. Do you? I do. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) Tell me. I I think I still remember as a set decorator, I have to actually replicate real life events in my film and TV world. So there's a lot of crossover. And, you know, we're going to get to events and parties and certainly talk about weddings because I've just done two of them recently that have been in the project I'm currently working on and very, very different kinds of weddings. I hope that that brings us a new audience of people who are interested in real event planning and, you know, how a set decorator approaches something like a wedding, because a wedding is the perfect scenario to express you and your partner's character. So there's a lot of crossover here. That's so true. I hadn't really thought about that, but 100% you want to have your own personality, your own mark on your event. And this is a time. So if you're an event designer, if you're someone who is a bride, if you are helping out a bride, if you're helping plan a wedding in any type of way, this is the episode for you guys. So for sure, if you have questions after you listen to this, please make sure to hit us up on Instagram and ask questions and we will be happy to answer some things for you. So Beth, let's jump into this. I find myself as a set decorator in scenarios where one day during the week I might be dressing a prison cell, the next day I could be dressing a funeral home, and the next day I could be doing a huge wedding. There are a lot of crossover elements and items that I have to think about with it being so busy and with weddings, especially now being booked for the first time in a couple of years, I've experienced my own supply chain issues and problems just getting things ready for set in the last couple of weeks. So the first thing that I would say is, of course, you know, there's a lot of planning that goes into it. But as a set decorator shooting a TV episode every eight or 10 days, we don't really have that kind of time. So I have a couple of tricks that I use and pull together to put together a certain kind of look. And I I think I tend to, of course, go with how the wedding or the event is scripted. For instance, I just did a really, really traditional scene with flowers and a runner, and we were in a church space, and it was a dream sequence. So uh, there were a lot of things to consider about the palette and what the wedding dress was going to look like and the color 
colors and even still in COVID, how many extras you can have in a scene. Mm. So this is something that goes back to how do we make, let's say, the room look full, you know, when we can only use 30 extras because there has to be distance between everybody on set. I have a whole new way of approaching that kind of work. But the first thing everybody needs to do is really start off with who are you? What's your character? Who are you as a couple? Who are you as two individuals? And what do you want this event to be? I love that because every family is different and there's so many things to consider. Like you said, your guests, your guests, you know, headcount, but also just, you know, how casual are you? How formal are you? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what do you want it to be? Do you just want it to be a big party or is it more about the religious aspects or, you know, what part is the most important to you? The next big consideration is budget. First, you're going to know how many people are going to be a part of the event. That informs where the event's going to take place? Is it going to be a backyard event? Is it going to be in a rented space? Can you even find a space that's available? You know, (laughs) as a set decorator, we work in conjunction with location managers who are always out there searching for great places for us to shoot, you know, locations that have things like easy load-ins and load-outs for the crew that have a couple of days so we have enough time to prep and shoot and wrap. Just this week, weekend, we were working to wrap a location that quickly had another event after we made an actual restaurant and an office and shot a whole scene on a rooftop all in one location. The location issue is something very important. Can you have your ceremony and your after party at the same place. We had an experience where like it was such an amazing bar setting. It was like a bar restaurant kind of area and it was so beautiful with like stained glass and all this stuff but it was so poorly lit for the for where the bride and groom were actually exchanging vows Mm -hmm. that I felt terrible after the fact I was like oh my gosh you know I like how could anyone really see them up there. But it was like, those are things that people don't necessarily think about. Like you walked into the bar, and you thought this is such a cool vibe. And they didn't stop to think like, does this venue actually allow my my guests to see where we are? And you know, it's, it's dim. You know how much I love the lighting. Yes, they were all about Tiffany lamps everywhere, which were beautiful, but not a ton of light. Right. In that particular instance, there are ways in which you can enhance the lighting with the most simple LED puck lights, little, uh, you know, lights that you put in your closet, little lights that come from the from the floor up and shoot light up. You plugging a couple of those into a venue, certainly you don't want to be the person, if that beautiful bar only had stained glass lamps, maybe you see what the wattage of the light bulbs are even in them. You know, Mm -hmm. um, there are questions that can be asked. There are things that you can look into. And it's uh, similar to when I go and see a location and kind of analyze what has to leave the location for my stuff to come in. What I can make use out of, you know, are there great murals in a particular venue that you want to riff off of? You know, are there big 
paintings that say feature a certain kind of flower. And then you decide, wow, I'm going to continue that theme using both the architecture of the location where you're getting married and using how the place is dressed. Some of these big wedding halls that are intrinsically glitzy walking in, you might want to play into that theme or you might want to tamp that down and allow that glitz to happen just within the walls of the room and you don't want to add to it. And that's a good thing to remember, right? That you can manipulate the space that you have. Don't feel like, oh, this space is too much this or not enough that, you know, take it for what it is and then dial it up or dial it back. Yeah. And that's all in the planning phase. And it's something to think about. So, you know, we categorize it, right? Like we categorize a set. So first we've got the floor plan, the furniture, then, you know, we move to the lighting, then we move to the top layer of dressing, whether that's the linens, and then, of course, the flowers. Again, throughout this whole entire situation, you've got to consider who you're designing for yourself. What's your character? What are you as a couple? And what is the kind of palette that you're drawn to. If anything, you know, what your theme is. How can you enhance your theme? I always like to do a kind of layered look in an eclectic situation. So I'm not really a fan of taking that theme all the way to the max. You know, but listen, that that is something that people really like to do to make an event like a wedding memorable. There are so many ways and at so many different economic price points to achieve this kind of, you know, it's it's really like just living in your house and all the things that we've talked about, where you place the furniture, the lighting, the window treatments, thinking about this kind of situation in a venue even if it's a tent in your backyard, what kind of ambiance do you want to create? And there are just unlimited possibilities. I think one thing that I've heard a lot of brides show concern about is what should I spend my money on? What gives me the biggest bang for my buck? And I can imagine when you're doing weddings on set, you have to consider like what's going to make a wedding really pop on camera, really, you know, have that that moment, whatever that moment is, whether it's when, you know, the, the bride and groom are, you know, up, in front of everybody and their backdrop behind them, what, whatever the thing is that's going to be like a bam, that was like memorable moment. How do you sort of deal with that both on set and then how could you recommend things for people in person? I would say it is pretty interesting how far party rental resources have come in terms of carrying a wide, wide array of everything from rustic, chic to completely streamlined and modern pieces of furniture and different light-up pieces, like I just used a light-up bar. Those are all things that add to the ambiance. Obviously, the first thing I would think of is, is this a day event or, or a night event? Or is this a day into night event? Maybe there's a situation where the lighting really takes on a whole new 
backdrop for what's happening as an event goes from early evening, you know, now the days are longer and doesn't get dark until later, but that's another thing to put on your hit list of considerations. What is my space going to be like at 5 p.m. and then at 9 p.m.? when it's dark. Those are all things that really count. And I think they make people feel comfortable. When you see and hear what people complain about, it tends to always be how loud the music is, um, how (laughs) buggy an area is, how temperature really affects people. I'm going to throw out some more. I, I feel like I feel like a lack of bathrooms is an issue, especially if you have an outdoor event and people are utilizing some, like some sort of rental bathroom situation. That's mm-hmm. like a whole thing. And lack of seating. Like when people just expect, especially if you have like grandmas and stuff like that, we, um, we got an invitation to a wedding where it was just going to be like bar pub tall tables with mm-hmm. no chairs. Like you were just yeah. expected to mill around. And we're like, like what is 95-year-old grandma supposed to do? She can't she can't do that, you know, and there was just no real thought about like, what's the variety of guests that I have coming? And do I have comfortable seating? Do I have can people see? Yes, sight lines, sight lines are critically important. Well, of course, like a table that's like in the hallway. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that didn't work. It's really what the camera sees. That's what I'm always considering. Yeah, of course, it's what your guests see. Even in in a um, speakeasy set that uh, I've just worked on, you know, we have multiple different kinds of seating. You know, when you take into account when you're shooting the height of an actress or an actor, plus what it feels like for them to move into that kind of chair. And when you consider you know, that your guests are most likely dressed up, you know, which in today's world, considering that we all live in our pajamas, basically, you know, (laughs) it is a kind of big deal. You want people to be comfortable. Those are also elements that I know event planners, wedding planners consider, and you can do that on your own. There are so many opportunities to look at things on Instagram, look at things online. And now there are all these beautiful photos of destination weddings. And even if that's something that you can't afford, all of these countries, Italy and Paris and, you know, amazing places that you could go and have a destination wedding on a farm and magnificent food and and wine and all that stuff, that may not be something that you can even, you know, want to think about in terms of affording. But there are so many inspirational ideas. We've talked about the color of the year, very peri, that beautiful cornflower blue that I love. You know, I just today when I was looking at things, I saw like a whole palette for a wedding in, in this most beautiful bluish lavender from literally showing lavender, beautiful bunches of lavender, to lavender macaroons, to um, some tulle and some tablecloths that were just the lightest hint of lavender. That palette really, really, really looked incredible in an outdoor setting. So that's another thing to think about, you know, what your color palette is. Are you inside or out? It's always so great to continue to replicate nature 
outside in whatever, you know, setting that you're doing. For the one of the weddings that I just did, we used very unusual materials. We used grasses in our floral arrangements. We took beautiful different kind of large leaves and we spray painted them copper and we mixed that copper color because you know weddings are traditionally silver or gold but this concept of copper with the most beautiful blush colored roses just like a hint of blush rose and some orchids it just did the trick. I mean, it really pulled everything together. And that I used for a more uh, rustic wedding. So I mixed that with big farm tables and wooden chairs, and it was a more casual event. And, you know, in terms of spending money, there was a situation where we did the party rental and we got those rustic tables and chairs. But we went much smaller on the flowers and we did things like a garland that, you know, ran down the center of the table with small clusters of flowers. You know, not everything has to be these ornate flower canopies hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> or those ones where you can't see the person across the table from you. I dislike those a lot. That is the biggest no-no of all times. <laughs> Literally was at an event last night and took the centerpiece and set it on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> because like yeah. I couldn't talk across the table and it was making me crazy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I also will admit I hate to see those little goldfish floating in the vases. <laughs> the betas? <laughs> yeah, the betas. <laughs> you like I see you went with a beta uh, arrangement Moms this don't time. like to see the the betas, right? <laughs> you know, we all remember our life with the first exactly, beta. Those betas. <laughs> but you know, there's so many ways to go from jewel tones to copper as I said being something the smallest little touch of nature. I don't care if it's a terrarium on the table, whatever it is, just that little bit of life brings up all of this stuff. And you can go with the cleanest palette, you know, just cotton white tablecloths. It's just how the lighting happens. There are incredible LED battery operated table lamps now that are just amazing. I mean, they're thin, they're small, you can, you can see who's at the table over them. They cast this beautiful glow. Perfect for selfies and like, you yep. know, pictures around the table, which all yep. your guests will appreciate. Absolutely. Even if you have a short prep time, like a set decorator, I would say the best thing to do is to just put together your lookbook. When we get a script in my office, you know, myself and my assistant and production designer, you know, we, we riff off maybe one inspiring photo and that leads us to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing after that. And an hour or two later, you know, okay, what's available at a prop house and what's available at a party rental place and what's the best flatware to choose or the best place settings to choose that now take on that next layer of, of where we're going with this look that we're creating. It can happen very quickly. It can all start to come together. And even if you don't feel confident about it, I promise you, I'm always here 
to answer your questions. I, I feel like maybe come May and June, we'll get a lot of questions about weddings, which I hope we do, because I can easily direct and help anyone kind of pull that together. Because in reality, there aren't that many moving parts. That's good to note. Like everyone who's listening to this and when you're yeah. feeling overwhelmed, really like just break it down for me, Beth. What are the what are the like maybe I don't know, is it top three, top five, like moving parts? I'd that say you're the really top five with? moving parts are first the venue. What you get as your choices from that venue? Is it a tent in your backyard so every choice has to be made? Or is it a true wedding venue where they insist that you use their caterer, their florist, and all of that? And I'm going to talk about that situation in a minute. Then I would say the next thing is your palette and the theme or you know what kind of vibe you're trying to create. Then the subcategories of how to create that. The flowers, the lighting, the table linens, the china and flatware. And then really, you know, it's the food because in the end, you know, it's it's like, what what do you leave your guests with? What do people leave with? I don't think I would encourage people to spend their money on a gift for guests. You know, I, I just, I don't think that's necessary. I think attending a wedding is you've given them the experience and they love and care about you and that's why they're there. So I wouldn't spend money on little parting gifts. Right, little favors. Little favors. I, you know, I think I, I've heard many a time how people appreciate even later in the evening that, you know, another round of of food choices or a candy bar or, you know, something was passed around. It's, you know, even cigars or something that becomes a part of the experience. I don't think people need to take home a tangible item. You know, I would, I would cross that right off my budget list. One of the things that we've seen is at the end of the night, them actually giving out like bagged to go like cheeseburgers. Yeah, Like exactly. little cheeseburgers because you're trying to sop up that alcohol, right, that yep. you had. And you're hungry because it was like five hours ago you had dinner exactly. and all that. And you're right. Like that puts a smile on your guest face more than some trinket that literally is going to get tossed in a drawer somewhere. And usually I think people who do their own stuff for a wedding, they spend so much time on that, you know, tying ribbons and putting things together. So I would definitely back burner that idea. Um, I, I want to go back though to choosing a venue where you're kind of, your hand is forced. That It's their caterer, it's their florist, it's their furniture or party rental company. And listen, there are many places that have that. And the positive thing about that is that they have it for efficiency. That company that they work with, that florist, knows how to get in and out of that venue, knows how to deal with that kitchen. That definitely is something that should give you a lot of encouragement. What I would do is try to buck the system a little bit, just have this vision of how when I purchased my first sofa, I... Um, went to a company that um, is no longer in existence to purchase my first sofa, but all they do is make sofas. And of course, you know, they try to sell you the sofa as is on the floor. This was a place that made sofas. And I went to the book of fabric and I went to the absolute back of the book. 
the person who was helping me said, oh, nobody uses that fabric. And I said, that's the one for me. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, I will tell you that that sofa lasted me 25 years. That sofa worked in my home and that sofa got more compliments probably than any piece of furniture that I've ever purchased. What I'm saying is, you know, if one of these wedding factory venues, as some people refer to them, is saying, you know, we always use silver, I would say, don't don't use silver. Just try to still bring who you are into the parameters of what you're being given. Try to break out of that cookie cutter feel for sure, exactly. right? Because exactly. everyone in your area is using the same types of venues, then, you know, everyone's already seen it done that way. So, so really do search outside what they normally do. Because it w- wouldn't it be great if some of your friends attended a wedding there and thought, oh, I know exactly what that wedding's going to be like. I know exactly what that wedding's going to look like. And because- frankly, how much it costs and how much everything else because they've all seen the same book and then they walk in oh mind blown everyone there uses silver or gold and you went white or you went blush whatever anything to kind of amp it up and i think the other situation is if you can possibly feel I guess, confident enough and and supported enough. And I, I tell you that this, it works, that when you just go off the beaten path a little bit, you know, I, I am very restrictive about what flowers I use for what character and flowers on set in general. And, you know, I, I never bring in flowers that have a really heavy scent and I try not to repeat myself in terms of the color and the design and the palette and everything. So just thinking a little bit outside the box and not doing the most traditional things. And, you know, there are plenty of other materials. There are ways to think about huppas and canopies with fabric and, and again, save money. Because, you know, in the end, I would put my money in terms of decor into where everybody is going to be spending the bulk of their time at a wedding, which is, you know, hopefully on the dance floor and at the meal. You know, so where do you come down on this, Beth? I've I've heard this both ways. I've heard people say, you know, the your focus should be on your guests and making sure that everybody's comfortable and it's good food and, you know, that they're having a good time versus plenty of other people I've heard be like, this is my special day and what I want, what it should look like for me. That's like the most important thing. Where do you fall down on that? I really think that focusing on the guests does what the whole point of sharing the event is. You know, I mean, I think having the kind of wedding that you want to have, you know, let's say you want blasting loud music and, you know, a third of your guest list is over 50 or 60, whatever. I, I think you have to really think about that. I know a lot of people who have had a big party for all their friends and a small, intimate wedding. That's the other thing in this new pandemic through post-pandemic time. There are a lot of different ways to celebrate a couple coming together. 
you know, it's not just about destination weddings anymore. You can go get married in a ceremony on the beach, you know, in your town, if you live in a coastal town, and then have, you know, have a dinner in a restaurant. You can think about closing a small restaurant, say for 40, you know, or booking a private room for that amount of people. So especially in COVID times and nobody wants to have an event and be a spreader. I think everybody is just intrinsically thinking about their guests now because, you know, we have parameters that are different than in the past. We're talking to people who have reasonable budgets that, you know, also want to figure out the most cost-effective way to do things. So speaking about cost-effective way of do things, I know for you, you're not going to be creating every single thing that we see on our TV sets. I know that you're going to be renting, you're going to be going to prop houses. What types of things like that are accessible to people at home that you also use? Well, certainly this concept of meeting with a florist, um, it's almost like mixed media, you know, mixed materials, things that are not necessarily expensive flown in from Holland flowers. There's plenty of places to order multiples of certain vases of things that are easy, like, you know, you take a leaf and line the vase and it looks like an upscale arrangement. I do tend to think that people seem to criticize florals often from weddings, you know, that uh, it wasn't enough flowers, it wasn't lush enough. There's another way in which, you know, I would not feel pressured to, you know, have flowers at every aisle where people are sitting. Those kinds of things, flowers in the back of chairs and things where the money just accrues, the budget just goes up and up and up. In the end, not really bang for your buck. I would put everything through my own budget processor, kind of, you know, like, is this going to give us the bang for the buck? You know, I'm having some light up centerpieces made for a scene that's coming up and they're expensive, you know, and, and I just thought I, I started out with wanting eight. I got the the budget back. I thought, I better do six. And then I got the budget back again. And, you know, and, and now I'm doing four, you know, but it's, and it's going to read, you know, lighting these, these, uh, battery-operated table lamps, you know, and the reason for those in, in the film business and anywhere is because you don't have to run cords to plug anything in. So you don't have to cut through tablecloths. You know, in the, in the old days, we used to put table lamps on every single table in every restaurant scene. No matter where we went to shoot on location, even if it was a real restaurant and not a restaurant we were making. And that was always a budget buster because we would have to buy the linens to cut the hole for the line, you know, the zip cord to the lamp to Mm. the electricians running all the cables. And then we had to hide the cables and now there's battery operated lights. So we're, we're all advancing there. Um, (laughs) But that's a place where things tend to be important and people tend to be opinionated as the couple, you know, what their cake looks like, because you know, maybe you're going to freeze your wedding cake and have it in your life for the next 
10 years or however long <laughs> it's going to last. There are those things, just like when I'm doing like a high-low interior, you know, you know, I spend money on window treatments. I spend money on lighting. I may not buy the most expensive sofa. Those are all decisions that one decision informs the next. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, when I'm going to look at, at rental furniture for an event and I find that one particular wooden chair is, you know, $5 more a chair, well, that $5 times 50 people or 100, I mean, that adds up. Each decision, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you set up dominoes, one falls on the next, falls on the next, and and kind of keeps informing the next decision. And that's what I would really encourage people to do is allow that to happen. Instead of just starting with all your decisions made, this is how much I'm going to spend on flowers. This is how much I'm going to spend on the venue. This is how much I'm going to spend on the furniture. This is how much I'm going to spend on the food. As a set decorator, I am always kind of moving and shifting my concept, my budget, all the things, because I allow one decision of availability to inform the next. How quickly can I get something? Is it in stock? And unfortunately, everybody in the real world has to deal with this too, because there are still, you know, a ton of supply chain issues. You know, I would say to people, use your connections. You know, if you know someone who's who has a good relationship with a florist, take down that name, have that meeting. You know, um, if you know someone uh, does a lot of parties and has a good connection at a party rental place, you know, try to kind of trade off that stuff. That's where a venue that's an all-inclusive venue can also help you. Yeah, we've also had luck in in throwing different fundraising events in talking to the venue about what other events were going on around our event. And what we found was that we were able to uh, connect with some of the other events and actually share centerpieces and say like, hey, like you guys are going like the day before us um, and you guys are using, you know, these little candles or whatever, but we're going to be using these at ours. And so we could kind of like share up on the expenses a little bit because they were beyond brilliant that's it really incredible. worked out nicely. And then also like during a lot of like natural holidays when when people decorate, maybe it's going to be um, a springtime event or maybe right. it's going to be around Christmas. the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. Like my sister, you know, the, the entire church was already decorated in poinsettias all over the place. So she really there was no room for her to really add extra flowers, but she could just use what was naturally already decorated for that time of year and make it look really pretty. So, you know, consider your time of year and what else is already happening and try to work with other people within, I mean, this is funny for my own wedding, they actually double booked the venue and ended up asking us to push back, which at first was, you know, like, Oh my God, horrifying, Uh you know, but (laughs) one of my favorite things is when small things go wrong because I love (laughs) to ask for extras after that. I'm like, I can be very understanding about this, but what are you going to give me for free? Because this happened. And so I ended up, they ended up moving my event at a certain point in time out to this large clubhouse kind of setting where we basically had like a secondary reception. Then like we already had a sit down dinner, but then we had like a dance club 
kind of feel for the second one. And they moved our guests with their little vans and their little golf carts and all that kind of stuff. And it turned out to be awesome. It made it seem like we had this like really elaborate event when really it was a double booking that I just didn't scream about. I just said, how can we make this work? What can we do? Well, that's the other thing is that right now, I mean, everybody is in so much competition to rebook and get settled for all these things, whether it's clothing or flowers or the venue. You can't go in guns a-blazing in these times because what's anybody going to say to you is, yeah, well, (laughs) move aside. There's someone right behind you who wants to book a wedding here. So, you know, you really have to tamp down I think in a lot of ways, normal expectations, you might not be able to get the flowers of your dreams and all that kind of stuff, you know, because things are tight. I mean, you know, it's, it is hard to pull off on a daily basis. Believe me, even my most connected vendors that I deal with for years and years and years where I spend a lot of money, it just doesn't exist. I mean, when you are in my situation, in a set decorator situation and having to turn things around quickly, see so much out of stock. And then what happens is we order things and they're promised for a certain date, all of a sudden there's that updated shipping bad news (laughs) email, which, you know, I purposely have those emails go to somebody else because (laughs) I just can't take it. But then that person has to give me the bad news. Oh no. Uh, It's you know, it's 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 just every day, you know, is a bit of a challenge. So listen, I think the bottom line is this is the time and the the arena to have your best attitude and see it as an opportunity, right? Yeah, exactly. Like if, if what everyone else is doing is not available, awesome. That means that That's now right. you have a chance to do something different. And I know you were talking about in several other podcasts where flowers are being replaced by by other natural objects that, that people use now. So what what kind of things can you use instead? In some of the arrangements that I did for this one wedding scene that we had, they were actually, it had to be of a, of a, a large size and they were just too heavy to withstand. The weight was just too much in the, in the vases that we had. You know, we, we were going for a very specific look where we could shoot in a direction where it would hide certain people. It was a very complicated setup and create shafts of light and all kinds of stuff. It was a difficult decision, but in the end, using artificial flowers in that particular scenario, you know, up up at the podium of the church, you know, nobody was getting really close. And obviously for being on film, it worked, but there are other things. There are plants, there are little fruit trees, you know, beautiful orange trees. And, you know, it depends on where you live and what you can get. But there are other ways to create a centerpiece. Doing this concept of long communal tables 
with, you know, just a runner down the table and small little pockets of flowers, little, we call them jewel cups, like mint julep cups. And um, they come in silver and gold and they come in amber, beautiful, different colored jewel tone cups. And you just put a few stems in there by keeping things small and understated and yet repeating it multiple, multiple times. Like let's say on a table for 10, there are 15 or 20 of those. It's A, a way to make to save money. B, it's a way to not have things in people's faces. C, it's a way to give more guests something to walk away with, just a nice little remembrance. There are ways to make it more manageable and more accessible. Then I think it informs kind of your feeling about it. What's what's the worst that can happen if you've got 15 little, 20 little cups on a table and one of them breaks? It's not like you're losing the one big arrangement for that table. So, you know, everyone has to be kind of open to things are going to go wrong. That happens to me often. You know, I'm only as good as my vendor, right? So even when something does show up and it shows up on time, what if it's wrong? What kind of mode do I go into to fix things quickly, like nobody knows. And that's that old, never let them see you sweat. You just improvise and think on your feet. And, you know, during this supply chain issue time, during pandemic time, I really have readjusted my expectation. And I would say to anybody who's planning any kind of event, especially a wedding, It's still going to be a long time before everything is up and running the way that it used to be. And even the way it used to be, there are always these things that can happen. And I don't know, maybe it's, uh, you know, at this point in my life, I just feel like, you know, I, I would counsel everyone to take it in and not let it take over you, you know, or your special day. 100%. So you guys, that's a lot of information we've just thrown at you. And certainly I hope you were taking notes. If not, the lucky thing is it's a podcast. You can just start it right back from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) But, But Beth, if you had a couple of really important takeaways that you really want people to just not forget as they're going forward, certainly staying flexible, you know, looking for the, maybe the non traditional routes here or there, the, the unused, the more unique things. Go off the beaten path. And and that's also a way in which, you know, when you were saying a lot of people getting married want to do it for themselves. I mean, you know, listen, if you want hot pink and orange and that's been your wedding dream, I, I wouldn't tamp that down, you know, uh, to please, please your parents or anyone else. I, I would represent who you are, who your character is, who you are as a couple, go for that. Just, I would be really open right now to all kinds of options and possibilities. And uh, as I said, I would really let certain things inform my decisions and not be rigid. Don't go in, I must have, or it has to be this way. There are a lot of experienced event planners, wedding planners, who have these connections and concepts. And what you have to trust is the fact that they've had their successes and their failures. 
when they say, oh, the timing of that isn't good because, you know, then the hors d'oeuvres get cold or something happens or the flowers wilt and tulips are bad. And, you know, like I, I've had my own personal experiences on set, you know, I, I don't use tulips on set, you know, because the hot lights go and the tulips say, I want to lie down. Right. They limp over. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, get, you know, I've placed flowers. Yeah. I've placed, <laughs> you know, vases and vases of flowers and come in the next morning to shoot. And it's, you know, it's bad news. The more that you are open to these kinds of experiences that professionals have had or family members or friends have had, just take it all in stride. So, Beth, now that we've got all of our brides and our event planners busily doing their work, tell us a little bit about what work you're working on. Well, I'm going to save my current project for another time, but I will tell you the great announcement was that uh, season two of Bridge and Tunnel, the Ed Burns show on Epics, is actually premiering at the Tribeca Film Festival and will be available to be seen on Epics in July. So that's thrilling. and very exciting. uh, If anyone has any questions, wedding or event related, uh, if anyone uh, needs my help with their prison cell or their (laughs) their party, I'm here for you. (laughs) You know how to you know how to assemble it all. Make it look amazing. I do. I hope. (laughs) Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home at Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast or wherever you listen to our podcast. Please leave a five star rating. It helps us a lot in promotion of the show. Five stars, people. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, producer Mike here. Don't forget to submit your reviews to Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you leave us a five-star rating and review, we'll read it on air, just like 20 Brentons did when he wrote, Beth, thank you for your talents, originality, passion, and your spirit. You really make a difference. It's shining through your art. Lots of love. Five stars. Thank you so much, 20 Brentons. Guys, submit to Beth's Instagram at Beth Kushnick. Pod Clubhouse's Instagram at Pod Clubhouse, or like I said, Apple Podcasts, PodClubhouse.com. We have a bunch of different ways you can reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you and read it on air. Thanks so much, and thank you for listening. Decorating the set from Hollywood to your home is an original Pod Clubhouse production, recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. For more information, please visit us online at PodClubhouse.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.